Well, there's a beautiful segue into our living in the light uh, this morning. I love it. And you know, guys, if you don't get to take the Christmas lights down right away, you have an excuse. You can tell your wife, come on, I'm, let my light shine here a little bit. We'll get to it, right? Well, we are, uh, we are wrapping up the year 2012 here in the next couple of days, our last Sunday together this year. And we're also wrapping up this Let There Be Light series. Now, over the last few weeks, we've looked at, at how God is light and, and at how Jesus Christ brought light into the world. And just this last weekend at our six Christmas Eve services, we, we really looked at, um, at, we saw that the light of Jesus offers us so much, both for now and eternity, and that, and that he also asks for a response from us. And many of you that were here actually did respond even by coming up and lighting a candle, signifying a lot of different decisions or a lot of you know, places that you might be responding to the light of Jesus Christ. And it was really a wonderful time. Today, though, we're going to be talking about not just about the concept of light and it coming upon us, but living in the light and what God has provided for us and what does he call us to do in terms of, in terms of how to live, how we're to live in response to the light. Now, we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 5 today, so if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and open there, and we're going to stay there the whole time. So, you know, sometimes the old flipping around gets kind of like, ah, oh, don't bother. Go ahead and do it if you have it. We always put the verses on the screens on the outline, but if you have your Bible, you can open Ephesians chapter 5. Now, remember um, when we went through our 40 days in the Word that we talked about as we study the Bible, sometimes looking at context and culture and the background of, of the books and stuff really help flesh out and deepen our understanding of what we're stuttering, studying. And there's a great case of that here. Um, I want to note there's a number of things we could say about Ephesians that are interesting, but the one single thing that's going to help us today is, is this. The biggest help for our study today is that this book was written to followers of Jesus. Okay, so people who've chosen to follow Jesus with their lives, both in those days and today, are called saints. Okay, so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're actually a saint. Now, there's no reflection on the football team. I know some of you are yay saints, no saints. Not an NFL deal, but you're called saints in Scripture. And uh, I know for some of us, well, isn't a saint like an old dead person? That's not really me, and maybe it kind of sounds kind of catholic or something. No, a saint really is what you're called as a follower of Jesus. And uh, that simply means someone who is chosen by God and set apart for God's purposes. And so that's really what this book is written at the beginning. If you turn to Ephesians right in the first chapter, right at the top, it says here, it's written to the saints. And so it's important to know that this was written to followers of Jesus. And, uh, and it's important because the concepts that come up today about identity are very important to know that they'll apply to you only if you've chosen to follow Jesus with your life. Okay? If you're following Jesus with your life, then this is written to you. If, if you've not yet made that choice, you may be still exploring who Jesus is and you haven't given your life to Jesus at this point. And, and if that's the case, um, we're glad that you're here. You know, honestly, we're, we're really thrilled that you feel comfortable exploring uh, spiritual truth here at Twin Cities, and we really pray that you discover Jesus in all his fullness, and we want you to be just right where you're at. But the key thing to understand is that all the things that are said today apply to followers of Jesus Christ about this identity change and living in the light. Okay, and so these things um, are, are offered to you if you're not a follower of Jesus, but they're not a part of your identity. And I just want to make sure that you understand that it happens after you surrender your life to Jesus, that, that this identity change happens. So just so we're clear, so, you know, an understanding on that. No. So here we go. We're going to uh, look at living in the light of Jesus. So what does Ephesians 5 tell us? If you want to grab out your, grab out your outline, uh, again, on that introduction at the top, the important thing to write in that space in your little free writing would just simply maybe say, you know, written to followers of Jesus, or this supplies to me if you're a follower of Jesus or whatever. But the first thing here is we get going then on your outline. Ephesians 5 tells us, first of all, that you were born into darkness. You were born into darkness. 
And Ephesians 5, we're going to start at verse 8. And just the very first part of verse 8 simply says this. For you, follower of Jesus, remember that's who he's writing to, for you were once darkness. And we'll stop right there. You see, here God isn't pulling any punches when he flat out says, hey, follower of Jesus, you were once darkness. You were born into darkness, into sin and into death, into depravity, into selfishness, <laughs> into a dark life and a dark world. <laughs> Sound great? No, not, right? You weren't just surrounded by darkness. Listen, you weren't just surrounded, you weren't born into a world of darkness. You were darkness by identity inside of you, dark, dark, dark. Not pretty, but it's true. Now, that's actually true for all of us, even those, those of us here today, those of you that haven't put your trust in Jesus. We all were born into a dark world, and we're darkness ourselves. And, uh, and that's just where it is. It's dark in the world. We can see that. And on our own, things only seem to be getting darker. Now, fortunately, if you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't stop there, because this is ugly. But Ephesians 5.8 goes on to say, you were once darkness, believer, but hey, follower of Jesus, now you are light. You were once darkness, but the second point, follow Jesus, now you are light. And Ephesians 5, 8 goes on to say, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And Pastor Ron read this verse during the welcome time today. And that's really the great news of the day. You were once darkness, but not anymore. In choosing to follow Jesus, his light has been turned on in you permanently. And it says you're not only in the light of Jesus, right? Not just that the light's shining on you, but he actually comes into your life and your heart. And so you actually now are light, Catch the difference? Not just in the light or the light around you, but it's inside of you, and you are light. You've been given a radical new identity as the brilliant and breathtaking light of God has replaced that darkness in you. That's the identity change here. And you've been given really a heart transplant. Out, you know, darkness out, light comes in, and, and with all the warmth and security and peace it offers. Now, so as we look at these first two points that we see here in Ephesians chapter 5 that we've mentioned, it sounds pretty good as a follower of Jesus, you know? Okay, once was darkness, but no more. Now I am not only in the light, but I am light. Yeah. But if we pause for a moment, and, and let's just say, let's be really honest with each other for a minute. It may say that because of Jesus, I'm no longer darkness, and now I'm light. But the truth is, sometimes I feel pretty dark. I feel pretty dark, you know, honestly. My thoughts, my words, my attitudes, my actions, they, they sound way more dark than light sometimes, and I can start feeling pretty dark. Is that true for you it, sometimes? You know, John, as a follower of Jesus, if I'm light, looking at my life, this is pretty dingy light. <laughs> you know what I mean? It looks way darker than it does light sometimes here, and so I don't know about this whole thing. So is this idea, that, is this light thing just a general analogy that just kind of is a, a general idea that doesn't totally apply in every detail, or is it more than that? Well, I think Ephesians 5 makes it really clear that it's way, way more than a general analogy. And in fact, the Apostle Paul is addressing some of those feelings of darkness right here in this passage. See where I put the emphasis? It's those feelings of darkness that are upon us there. We look at these first two points, but, but with no pause at all, Paul continues to, we, he flies right into the third point, which makes all the difference in the world. And really, before I tell you this, I want to say this. This point has the potential to be that aha moment that will propel us into 2013, kind of launch us into the new year with renewed vision and passion and spiritual energy, really. You see, you were once darkness, follower of Jesus, but now you are light. And here's the key. Live like who you are. Live like who you are, not who you were. 
Now, I can almost see the Apostle Paul, you know, he's, he's writing and, and he's getting into it. And I almost see him foaming at the mouth and even starting to jump up and down if you can do that while you're writing, you know, penmanship together and all that. But he's kind of getting excited when he writes this passage. You see, Paul led tons of people to Jesus because he recognized that's why God had him here. A little bit kind of like our lives too. But he was really into it. And so he's leading people to Jesus. And I can just see that he sees people transformed into light when they become a follower of Jesus. Jesus comes inside of them. He changes them. He comes into their heart. And yet he sees sometimes that people live as if they have not been transformed. Well, let me read the the rest of the verse. It simply says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. He says, This used to be you, but now this is you. So be you. Live Live like who you are. Live with the identity of who you are, don't you see? You've been given a new identity. Live like it. <laughs> Live as children of the light. Now, it's a little bit like a caterpillar. You know, he spent his whole little life barely moving, kind of inching along on the ground, occasionally comes up on a plant, inches up a plant, you know, munches on whatever's in front of him. It's not like he gets to choose, ooh, I found the leaf, muncha, 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 you know, and keep me going, I'll go a few more inches. And not real glamorous, kind of ugly, might get squashed or sprayed by some bug spray, right? But then something happens. This little caterpillar goes through this change. And, and, and all of a sudden, over time, and this miracle of God, quite frankly, he's changed into what? Into a, a butterfly, a new identity, with new beauty, new abilities, new diet, a total transformation of identity. And, and that metamorphosis is one of the most amazing things that we can see here on earth. Frankly, it's a miracle. It's, it's amazing transformation. And yet... How absurd would it be if that butterfly, when he emerges, didn't ever really spread his wings and and didn't ever take on its new identity? Instead, tried to just squirm around like he used to, kind of acted like a caterpillar, just kind of inching along, except now he doesn't wiggle quite the same. He's got those legs. And and how sad, how awkward, how, how just wrong is that? You can almost picture this butterfly trying to act like a caterpillar and like, well, God made you to go float on the wind and the breeze and and have a new life and live above and beyond. When you gave your life to Jesus, if you did, he, he took you out of darkness and into his light. He remade you, not just into the light, but he made you light. And he washed away, listen, he washed away every remnant of your past. It's washed away. You are an unbelievably beautiful, transformed butterfly. So live like one. Live like who you are. Get out of the gutter and stop acting like a worm, you know? (laughs) Act like the new creature he's created. Act like the new creature he's created. Okay, so this butterfly analogy, it's kind of fun and it's motivational. Yeah, I'm a butterfly, you know, whatever. What does Ephesians 5 have to say about our new identity? Okay, there's a concept. But what does it have to say in more detail? We're given a new identity, okay? Again, this is your identity if you've given your heart and life to Jesus, but who are we really in Christ Jesus? Well, we're going to dive back into Ephesians 5 here. So who are you in your new identity? First of all, you are a holy child of God in the light. You are a holy child of God in the light. Now, it says in Ephesians 5, picking up from where we left off there, uh, Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. Uh, remember it said, once you were darkness, now you are in light. Live as children of the light. And then he tells us what that means. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. We are holy children of God. Let me stop. Remember I mentioned that as a follower of Jesus, you were a saint. You maybe weren't entirely comfortable about that. Saint John, 
St. Israel, St. Right? You put your own name in there, right? That's you, you know, St. Whatever your name is there. Well, now he's also calling you a holy one. How are you feeling this morning? I don't really feel like a saint. I didn't say how you're feeling. I just told you that's your identity. God says you are a saint, and he says you are holy, which does not mean perfect. A holy one is not someone who's perfect. It means someone chosen by God and set apart for God's purposes, and that's you. He has made you holy, and he chooses to see you, by the way, as clean through the blood of, of Jesus Christ. But you are called now holy, and, and, and he says you're bearing fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth. You see, we are in the light, and the perfect light of Jesus can't help but grows God's fruit in us, right? As the perfect light shines in and light helps things grow, and so if it's God's light, what grows? God's fruit, and that's the goodness and the righteousness and the truth. It's just going to happen. Have you ever tried to grow indoor plants? You know, my family or my wife and I, we moved up 10 years ago or so, lived in Southern California, and everything grew there. You know, throw it in the ground inside, outside. It didn't matter. Things grow, right? Because kind of that just lukewarm mid-climate right there. Up here, it's a little different, isn't it? You know, extreme temperatures. We're up on Banner Mountain. We don't get a whole bunch of light anyway, right? But inside, holy cow. We've had some mixed success at our house, you know. So have you. I saw some, some of your heads nodding, you know. But one thing we learned really quick, and we're still in the process of learning, I guess, light is a key ingredient for a plant to grow, right? Light, the right amount of light in the right way, direct, indirect, or whatever else is for it to grow, let alone for it to bear flowers, or to bear fruit. Light is a huge deal. It's a key ingredient for a plant to grow and bear fruit, let alone even to stay alive. That's what we're saying here. It's the perfect light and the perfect amount of light on us. It's going to just produce fruit in us. That's what's going to happen because we are in his light and the fruit of, of goodness and, and righteousness and truth that He's producing that in me. And I love what it says in this verse after the fruit words. You know, he said, here's what the fruit is. And he said, and find out what pleases the Lord. You know, instead of living to find out what pleases our own selves, because that's kind of what we default to. That, that's the old dark way, the world's way. You know what I mean? Kind of, I want to do this and see if that feels good for me. I want to do this because I like that. I, I, I. It's kind of what the world teaches. And, and that's not, it says it finds out what pleases the Lord. We can actually experiment with trying things out to please God instead of ourselves, you know? You may say something like this. You know, I've, I've, here's a couple of examples. I, I've never fasted before. I, I wonder if that would please God, fasting. You know, I know some people that have done it. I've heard about it, you know? Okay. You didn't say, I wonder if I'd be really hungry all day long, okay? That's you. That's what I like it, not Bible talks about fasting. I've talked to some people and read some books that say amazing things can happen through fasting. I wonder what that would do and how that might please God and it might even help my relationship with, with him. I might give it a try. Or, you know, offering comes around on Sundays when I'm here and I usually pop a couple bucks in the plate, you know, and I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if I stretched myself a little bit and went on a limb and gave a little bit more this time, you know, kind of started inching towards an actual tithe, you know, gave a little bit more, not, is that something I feel like doing? you know, financially, whatever else, but was that going to please God? And what might that do in him and for me and change my heart and all the things that it might do? You know, we just had the team up here from Uganda. It might be something like, you know, I've never really prayed for a missionary. I mean, I prayed for missionary. God bless the missionaries. But, but actually taking someone on and said for 15 days, in fact, for 20 days, because we're not leaving for five days, but for the next 20 days, I'm going to take one of these people on and commit to pray for them every single day. In fact, I might even go to the table and, give, and write a small check because, you know, to, to just give a donation to kind of help God's ministry there in Uganda. I wonder if that, how that would please God. Well, I don't know if I want to make that commitment because what if I miss a day and what if I'm, and I'm awfully busy? And what, okay, that's finding out what pleases you. See, see the difference? 
the fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth comes out and, and find out what pleases the Lord. God, what might I do right now today that might please you? That's living in the light, and that's living as a child of light, living as a child of light. Not doing things, by the way, because you have to. Oh, boy, Pastor John made me feel guilty. Now I got to go pick up a bookmark and pray for some one of those weird missionary people or whatever. Uh, Pastor Ron's son, Ryan, is going, by the way, so anyway. But, you know, but not because you have to. <laughs> Before you go too far with the weird, you know. <laughs> but allowing, not, you don't do it because you have to, but allowing the light to work in you so you bear his fruit. So it just happens. You can. I can do this. Okay, okay so you're a holy child of God. You're in the light. And Ephesians 5 also says that you are rejecting darkness. Okay, it's an activity, but it's also your identity. When you're in the light, you are rejecting darkness. It's just something that's going to happen. And so... Um, being light means that we will reject the darkness. Now listen, not just tolerate darkness, not just try to exist beside darkness, kind of combing a little bit with it, but flat out reject it. First John 1 John 1.5 says that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Get that? God, light, no darkness at all. Whose light is in us? God's light. In him there is no darkness. How much darkness should there be in us? No darkness at all. See how that's kind of an, uh, uh, an easy logical sequence there? Well, Ephesians 5, uh, starting at verse 3, back to Ephesians 5, says this. But among you there must not be even a hint, even a hint, even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Oops, stop. God's what people? Holy, there it is again. Holy cow. <laughs> You're a saint holy holy today. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, these words which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving from your mouth. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man, a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, basically saying that it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> For because of such things, God wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Now, I know that's a bit of a long passage, and, but I want to point out some key thoughts here. First of all, it says that there must not be even a hint of these things. Don't even wink at it. Don't compromise. Don't allow even, well, just kind of like 2%, you know? God's saying it's improper. It's impure. It's out of place. It's a butterfly acting all wormy, and, and it's wrong, well, you know, it's just a little bit, and it's not as bad as most people. I know, in fact, a lot of the followers, the Christians that I know from church, boy, you ought to see what they do. Okay, he never said live a little bit better than the person next to you, did he? Live like who you are. Live like the butterfly in a sense that you are in stock, acting like the worm, right? He also says to replace your verbal darkness with thanksgiving, those little things about the obscene talk and foul language and all that, you know. God says there's a change here because your words reflect your heart. So allow me to change your heart and allow the light to do its work. And, and, and then we're going to speak with thanksgiving. We're going to build God and others up with our words rather than letting our language kind of descend into that gutter. Your words reflect Jesus, every single one of them. So turn your mouth into a thanking machine in a sense. You know, if you get into that attitude of thankfulness in your heart that will come out of your mouth, it's going to keep your, God, going to keep your mind focused on God and on the light. Okay, your identity. You are a holy child of God in the light as a follower of Jesus where you're rejecting darkness but as light you're also revealing darkness you're revealing darkness okay Ephesians 5:11 then goes on to say 
We just talked about rejecting the darkness in your life, but now there's another part of light. Do you catch the difference? One is to reject it, but one of them is going to, as you turn light on, if you're going outside at night, um, it helps to have a flashlight to not, you know, trip and fall, at least up, up the mountain where I am and everything. He says, light reveals, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but here we go, everything exposed by the light becomes visible, Right? The flashlight turns on, you flip the light switch on, the sun comes up, whatever, the light comes here, it's visible, for it's light that makes everything visible. And that's why it said, wake up, O sleeper. Now we're talking about someone who doesn't know Jesus. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You see, our call here, folks, is, is to not, if you as a follower of Jesus are in light, and are light, people that don't follow Jesus are in darkness, and are dark, like we used to be. And so one of your roles is to let them see the light, and as the light comes in a gentle but a beautiful way on them, it exposes the fact that your life's different than mine, and I like that, and, and this, is, this is different, and expose it, and does it in a gentle way. You, you're not to reject people in darkness, okay? We talked about rejecting darkness. That's the deeds of darkness. But sometimes we go into rejecting those dark people. God never says to do that. Our, our light is to serve to reveal darkness in others and around us, and that's one of its goals. We're actually called to shine so that the light of Christ can shine on them. Now, the reality is if we live like children of the light that we are, we're going to stand out from the darkness around us. I hope that happens. Sometimes people see we're different and we're admired for it, and other times we're put down and criticized for it. If you had both happen, I've had over my life, and some people say, wow, John, I sure wish I could, hmm, or man, I can't believe how you can, nah, you know, this wonderful, how you, your attitude on this. Uh, sometimes, not, you know. Other times people are like, oh man, I can't believe you. you're so straight-laced, you're, so, you're put down, you're laughed at, you're scorned, whatever. Both reactions for the same thing, simply living like who you are. And you know what? You're going to get reactions, and um, they may make you feel awkward, either reaction, because one almost feels like praising you, which you're like, well, it's not really me, it's God, and the other one is really putting you down, and that's not fun either. So you feel awkward, but folks, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Listen, the caterpillars notice that the butterfly has changed, right? As it flies overhead, flitting gracefully from flower to flower, they look up, and you have one set of caterpillars that look up and go, wow, look at that butterfly. Isn't that cool? Oh, man, good for him, and that, that must be awesome to be up there. I wish I could be like that. You got a bunch of other caterpillars going, why did he get to be a butterfly and not me? He thinks he's such a great butterfly. He's um, right? If you're a caterpillar, which bunch would you be in? It doesn't matter, right? The, truth, the reality is the caterpillars are going to react to the changed butterfly. Folks, if you're going to live in the light and live as a child of the light, you're going to get reactions. Okay, you're not trying to get reactions. You're not banging on people to get reactions, but you're going to get reactions. And now, as you think about this idea, there's two dangers that we have to face. Okay, two dangers, because we're talking about how your light is going to have others react. There are two extremes. Here's the first one. The first one is that in your eagerness, Pastor John talked about me being light, and now I'm going to go out and burn bright. So you're in your eagerness, you shine so brightly that you blind everybody else around you. You know, you saw Pastor Ron's one million candle power light at the Christmas Eve service. He said, one million, give me the three million one. I'm just going to hose everybody down with the light. Yeah, because Jesus is strong and powerful, and people are crawling away just blind beyond belief, and they don't want to have anything to do with you it was too much and there was no gentleness you come across as holier than thou and and even though god has made you holy right holier than thou becomes a, an object of, of pride for you and and it puts people off you know um you don't want to come across as a snooty christian you know who judges everybody has all the answers 
You need to temper that super blinding light so that you don't blow people away, right? Because that's an extreme. But there's another extreme, and there's a second danger, and that's this. You, especially after hearing what I just said, you may feel so fearful about not wanting to come across too strongly that you then just kind of dim the light. And you kind of turn the dimmer down, and you turn it down a little bit more, and then down a little bit more. That's just about right. You see, I I don't want to let the light of Jesus be so strong. I don't really want to offend anybody. I don't, you know, want to make someone feel bad. I might not even want to invite them to church because then they might laugh at me and they may stop talking to me because, oh, you're one of them. And so I don't want to do that. And all of a sudden, we're not light at all, right? The Bible talks about putting the the basket, the, the pot, the pan, the thing over the candle that Jesus has done for us. We don't want to do that, and that's a danger, okay? The danger is the truth is that you are going to offend some people, okay? If you show the light of Jesus, even if you do it gently, which the Bible says all over the place, do it gently, which is not a strength of mine. I'm not the most gentle person. Ask my wife, my family. I'm praying for it. You know, I'll continue to. There's a prayer request for me. I can work on my gentleness. But even if you do it in the most gentle way, you're going to offend some people. It's the truth. And when you stand up for your Christ-like values and your ideas, even if you do it gently, it's going to happen. And that's okay. I want to give you permission for something here. Think about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you want to become like Jesus? Yes, is the answer. Let's try again. Follower of Jesus, you want to become like Jesus? Yes, Yes, good. All right. So because you're following Jesus, you're going to become like the one you follow. And so let's think about Jesus for a second. Jesus, who gave you the light, who made you light, it's his light that we have. So Jesus himself was perfect light 24-7 while he was here on earth around people. Did he ever offend anybody? Oh, yeah. Not on purpose. Not bashing people with ultimate love and humility and service and all those things we know to be true about Jesus. And they crucified him. Sounds like he offended some people. Can you do better than Jesus? Our intent is not to offend people. But folks, it's going to happen and it's okay. It's okay. You might lose friendships over it. You might, it. It might happen, and you have to be okay with that because living as a child of light means that as you reject the deeds of the darkness, as you reveal darkness around you, people are going to react. And although some are going to get ticked off about it and say, eh, you butterfly, others are going to go, how can I become a butterfly too? Then the door's open, and the door's open, and that's what God's looking for. That's what God's looking for Okay, you're a holy child of God in the light where you're rejecting darkness and revealing darkness. And finally, you're led and powered by the light. You're led and powered by the light. Now, I left this point for last because that's where it appears in the text, but also because I wanted to leave you with this idea last. I'm hoping that it sticks with you here. You see, living in the light and rejecting and revealing darkness isn't about you're trying to do this on your own, you know? It isn't. It's not about you producing that light through following the Ten Commandments, you know, and running yourself ragged, trying to be the best person you can, because you can't. You just can't. Being in his light and being his light means being still and letting him be God. I love that verse in the Psalms. God simply says, be still and know that I am God. And that begins a transformation there. Be led and powered by the light, not your own efforts. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20, the last verses we'll look at here. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, leads into darkness. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. There's another giving thanks exhortation, huh? 
to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, be very careful then, not just a little bit, because this is important. It's time to give control of yourself to the Holy Spirit. He's the one who will help you make the most of every opportunity. He's the one who will, will reveal what the will of the Lord is. The verses we just read says these things will happen, but you aren't going to do it on your own. I want you to see how these verses mention getting drunk on alcohol right next to being filled with the Spirit. It's right there. It, it says, you know, do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And really, in the Greek tense, it's almost saying, what's going to control you? What's going to control you? Don't give control of your mind or your words or your actions to a substance. And he said wine because that's what was the thing at the time, but it could have been alcohol, it could have been drugs, it could have been any addiction you struggle with, anything that pulls on you, an addiction that grabs into your time, an addiction that grabs into your heart, that addiction that grabs into your soul. And he's saying, wait a second, you're giving yourself over, you're giving control to something else. Give yourself, give control of yourself, not to anything, but to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, it's a gift, it's me, take me. The Spirit leads us to the light. He is the light. And it's really the only way that you're going to produce the pure light that God intends. That's really what's there. So, follower of Jesus, you were darkness. Now you are light. Live like who you are in the power of the Holy Spirit for 2013. It's the launching pad into a new year. Let him reject and reveal darkness through you. But do it fully and under his control and under no other control. And if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, you're not there yet, maybe you're close this morning, but I want to tell you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, he offers you that life of light and of love and in forgiveness that we've talked about, and you can take it at any time. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us, and thank you for being this perfect light, God, that you shine upon us, but that you actually place inside of us when we ask you into our heart, God. Thank you for remaking us. God, I love that caterpillar butterfly analogy of of, I'm not who I was and it's so much more not because of me but because of you thank you for that Lord help us to live like who we are and if you're sitting here today and you've not yet asked Jesus into your heart maybe today's the day and the Holy Spirit's kind of prompted you and that all I mean by that is you kind of in your heart and your head going is this something I should do I'm not going to force you to do it but you have an opportunity to become a child of light even right now today and you simply do that by admitting that you are in darkness (laughs) that you're a sinner, as the Bible calls it, that you've lived for yourself, that you're not perfect, and that you need forgiveness for your imperfections, for your sin. Ask for the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus, God himself, who died on the cross for you and raised from the dead. And then ask him to lead your life. Be my light and be my guide, be my leader. And he promises to come into you and to remake you and to remold you. Lord, thank you for being our light and for loving us unconditionally. In Jesus' name, amen.